It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Wes Goldberg. I'm a credentialed writer covering the NBA for the Step Back and Fan Ride Sports, and I write for the Miami Heat's Tip-Off Magazine. You can find me on Twitter at WC Goldberg. And I'm David Romello, credentialed NBA writer. is covered the Heat for SB Nation and all you can at large for fan and fan sports. And you can follow me and my writing on Twitter at DRomel13. Today's show is sponsored by MyBookie, your hookup for all of your Super Bowl betting needs. Go to MyBookie.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA to get a bonus on top of your first deposit. We're talking about the Heat's loss to the Cavaliers. Today, we'll also be taking some of your Twitter questions that you sent in using the hashtag AskLOHeat. And we're going to talk about the unfortunate situation regarding Rashul Butler. But let's start with Miami finally getting somebody into this all-star game. This news coming down uh, Thursday morning that Goran Dragic will replace Kevin Love in the Eastern Conference in the all-star game. Kevin Love, of course, out six to eight weeks after undergoing surgery on a broken hand. So Dragic is added in. Dragic got snubbed the first time, right? That's some, that the, the East had to replace an all-star. This is the third replacement so well, far. Yeah, because Boogie Cousins was down and then uh, John Wall with his surgical procedure too. So. so Boogie Cousins couldn't have been replaced by an Eastern Conference player, right? It would have had to have been a Western Conference player, which is why that, I think, they added Well, it was Paul for George Team and, LeBron, I think that's what it was. Well, that's, you're right. It was. That's what it worked out. But yeah. they get added to – and so Kevin Love was on Team LeBron, right? So Goran Dragic Correct. will be now on Team LeBron, but they had to replace that kind of one-for-one one so that the conference is are even still. Right. But, look, it's his first all-star appearance. Um, you could argue that he probably should have made it in instead of Andre Drummond for the first Eastern Conference spot that was available due to injuries. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, for John Wall. I think that Dragic should have been there instead of Andre Drummond. I don't think that any Detroit Pistons should have been into the All-Star game, but I've been down on the Pistons all year. Um, but look, Dragic is in there. He deserves it. I think Zach Lowe dubbed him the other the other day um, 
the the best player, you know, the new best player to have never made an all-star game. And now he cannot have that title. So Goran Dragic now, congratulations on his first all-star appearance. Do you think he deserves it? Um, That's a tough question to answer. I think when we, when we looked at it, his performance was kind of on an upswing. And then since then he's kind of had a couple of games where he hasn't produced at a high level. So I'm not as convinced. Uh, I, I think based on his overall quality of work over years. And so maybe this is a little bit of a, a legacy vote in, but yeah. the vote had really little to do with our own personal feelings. It was the tally of the coaches that all feel strongly about him. So I, I think when the coaches vote you in and we use this logic when it came to Chris Bosch also, it's like, and then it really justified and showed the, the true value of a player. I think if coaches have to game plan for you and worry about your presence on the floor, like, like in, in locker rooms across the country, they're preparing more for Goran Dragic than they are for Hassan Whiteside, you know? And that right. says a lot. You know, that they were saying this about Andre Drummond, perhaps, or that they're saying it about Goran Dragic over, say, Kemba Walker. That's an interesting point. Now, I, I've seen the rationale for Ben Simmons not being chosen because he's a rookie, and that's kind of something that you don't do. Like, unless he's so incredibly valuable as a rookie, which is very rare, they won't get voted into the All-Star game. So I, I'm curious if that's the, the logic behind it. Maybe they're not concerned about Simmons' one-dimensional game, um, you know, the fact that he's not a very good defender or that he's certainly not a very good shooter. Maybe that's a concern for them. But, you know, as far as Dragic's value, I mean, we've talked about it all year. He's been Miami's best player. There are times there where it looks like it's Richardson. Hey, there's been times where it's actually been Hassan who looks like the team's best player. But consistently since last season, I think Goran has been the bellwether for this team. He is the guy that that, that carries his team when it needs it the most. Uh, and I think he's certainly deserving. He's had a great, fantastic career, a great year. Let's talk about that. I mean, the fact that he led his, his Slovenian national team to the Eurobasket Championship and now on top of that, guiding this team and hopefully into the playoffs – getting an all-star selection to justify his, his, his wonderful 13-year career. I mean, that's to me, that's a, that's a – oh, not 13 years, 10-year career. Um, that, that's been a, a – that's a great story, and I, I think he does deserve it. You know, I, that's where I stand on it. I, I know Kemba Walker is putting up bigger numbers. Charlotte's not been as good. Uh, they've gone through well, injuries. And look, I mean, teams have gotten rewarded in the past for for just have being good teams, and they got to get all-stars into the game because of that. And – I've never really sort of agreed with that logic. Like if the team is good overall, that they deserve that, that they should have somebody in the all-star. And we've heard this in defense, like the whole defense of Goran Dragic um, that we've heard Jeff Van Gundy, for example, on ESPN, it just there, the other night was just going crazy that the Heat didn't have anybody in the all-star game because they're true. third in the East. And I think most people tend to agree with that logic. I don't. I just think that the all-star game and and a team's overall performance are just two different things that they're not – uh, inclusive of each other. Um, a team could be good without an all-star, you know, a team's not, now we can argue if a team is good enough to win a championship without an all-star, they're not. But I just think that the Heat have been good for the first half of the season. That doesn't necessarily mean that they have to have an all-star. I would rather the logic be Goran Dragic is an all-star player, therefore he deserves to be on the all-star team. You know what I mean? I don't want this to be rewarding the Heat just for having the fourth best record in the Eastern Conference, which I feel like it's sort of like that. Now, granted, if if there's if it's close between somebody like Kemba, like you're saying, and Dragic, maybe then team record goes into place there. Is Kemba Walker just putting up a bunch of good stats on a bad team? It's worth asking the question, even though I think for Kemba it's different just because he is an all-star player already. He's made an all-star game, so he's kind of it's not like 
you know, this isn't the Lou Williams situation where I think there's an argument to be made on that. Yeah. Um, but look, Dragic, I think, deserves it. And I wouldn't have had a problem if they would have had Kemba Walker in there instead. Um, Kemba Walker is probably a better overall player than Goran Dragic with more upside. But, you know, if it's if it's close, I don't have a problem rewarding rewarding Dragic with it. I just want us to talk more about Dragic deserving it as opposed to the Heat need to have an all-star, so let's just put their best player on there. That's fair. Uh, you know, but uh, you know, it's tough to navigate the, the, the narrative surrounding the all-star selection because so much of it is – Circumspect that you were you don't know where you don't know where people's allegiances lie. You don't know if they have their own kind of biases that to play into it, and that's certainly a factor. I mean, that's undeniable. Uh, and, and you know, like even your own concerns about Drummond being chosen, you, you just don't think Detroit's a very good team. So you kind of you hold it against a guy like Drummond or Tobias Harris because of Detroit's overall record, mm-hmm. and yet that's you, fair. Kind of overlooked that when it comes to Trogic. It's it's just you know the All Star selection is very difficult, unquantifiable. It's a nice honor. Um, and, and it's great validation, I think, for the organization, for Dragic personally, who, who is, you know, I, obviously I'm a big fan of his and his performance. Uh, and do his you think that he's a little, do you think that he's a little, irked? like, is there, is there a little, is it a little less prestigious if you're kind of the backup guy? Like, you know, I, I think it's, it's nice to say when you're looking at your career and you can look back and say, you know what, I was an all-star. No one's going to look back and say, Chris Bosch. Seven time voted in by coaches, all star. You know, it, it's it's ten time all star, whatever it is. You know, and, and Goran Dragon, same thing. I, I you know, I, I think where we're looking at it now, when you're you're talking about the selection of the players on Team LeBron versus Team Curry, and you're wondering whether or not uh, the last player picked is going to be mocked by anybody or by the media or anything like that. And I think the realization is, well, you know what? They're probably not going to get mocked because they're still all stars. You're still representing the twenty four best players on the planet. Right. In this case, it's 27th. So is Goran Dragic <laughs> the 27th best player in the in the league? I mean, that's an interesting question, right? I mean, uh, right. He's, he's certainly one of the top 50 players in the league. Uh, and and he's, it's a great honor for him. Look, I mean, that's that's all it is. But on the flip side of that, I know he's talked about, you know, when he didn't think that there was any chance of him making it after the, the final votes had come in, he was looking forward to vacation time. And, and that's a concern for me is that – um, this is a guy who's had a very long summer uh, between the Euro Cup activity coming into training camp. You know, he did take some rest uh, at the start of camp so that he could get into into playing shape later on because he had already had such a long summer uh, playing at such a high level. Uh, you know, he, he he had some some time there when he missed a couple games due to injury and then he kind of came back a little bit more energized. So I'm wondering if we're going to see some fatigue start to catch up like the week of the all look, he's going to be there what Friday in LA yeah. until the the Sunday when the game actually takes place, and then they'll still mm-hmm. have three or four days afterwards. It's not a full week rest. He's probably not going to get a lot of playing time. Maybe he'll fake an injury between now and then. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> it's a, and then Kemba Walker gets in. Uh, no, I think that's a fair concern to have, uh, especially because Dragic has seemed a little up and down this season as far as his overall conditioning or health or however you want to word it goes. Uh, and there are times where he looks really good and spry, and there are other times, like lately, that he doesn't. So maybe he could have used the rest, and like you said, he was looking forward to it. But um, that's not going to be the case, and either way, uh, I think Heat fans should be happy that somebody got voted to the All-Star game. Obviously, it's been a while since Miami's had somebody on the All-Star game, so it's really it, a while in, in terms of what Heat fans are used to, and that's and that's fine. And so I think it, it's it's a good 
reason to celebrate. Um, either way, we're not trying to take anything away from Dragic, I don't think. But it's 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 awesome. And I think look, he's not gonna have the rest, but like you said, at the end of his career now, he could look back and say, All right, you know what? I'm an all star. And overall that that'll probably be important. And you know, maybe just give him a week off afterwards. Who cares? Um, all right, so we're gonna talk about we usually talk about basketball on this show. We do. But this Sunday's football game is an American holiday. I know I'll be watching. In the past, I've liked to bet on the game. Usually, I'll put some money down on the line, throw in some prop bets for fun. But the only problem is that the legal sites don't make it easy for you. And the illegal sites, well, are illegal, so don't do that. Payout is a giant runaround. The website isn't intuitive a lot of times. It just turns into a stressful endeavor. It's not as fun as as it sounds. That's not the case with mybookie.ag. If you haven't checked them out, this is the perfect weekend to do so. If you have a hunch on who you think is going to win the coin toss, what color Gatorade the winning coach will be wearing at the end of the game, how long you think that the national anthem is going to go for, log on now, check out the props, and get in on the action. Look, if you don't care about the Eagles or the Patriots, but you do care about um, making it interesting for yourself between those Super Bowl commercials, lay down some money. Make it fun. So why MyBookie? MyBookie is the industry-leading online sports book. It's, it's players enjoy the fastest payouts in the business when they win. Again, that's a huge plus. I'd recommend the service so that because it's been good to me and it's been good to our listeners. That's why we urge you to make your way to mybookie.ag. You win, they pay without any hassles. You're wasting your time betting on any other site. They even have in-game live betting so you could place a bet after the kickoff. I recommend at halftime, maybe you could place the over-under at halftime for what you think the second half score will be after you've already witnessed the whole first half. Just a tip, usually the second half is a much more high-scoring affair than the first half in the Super Bowl. Join now, score free cash to place your bet for the Super Bowl on the house. All you have to do is sign up today, and you get a 50% bonus on top of your first deposit. That's right. If you join with $100 you'll get $150 bankroll to play with. So MyBookie will give you $50 on top of your $100 deposit. So you can take that $50 and bet it on some crazy prop bet because it's not your money. And maybe it'll pay out like 10 to 1 or something crazy like that. And then next thing you know, you're a millionaire or however the math works. All you have to do is use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate that offer. Play, win, and get paid. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, so we got to talk about this Cavs game. Um, The Heat losing to the Cavaliers in just a really bad, ugly basketball game. Um, We're going to get to some of your Twitter questions too. Um, But let's just talk about sort of this last, these last few minutes or the last few seconds really of the game where, where the Heat have an opportunity to win the game, right? Tyler Johnson seemingly knocks the inbound off of Isaiah Thomas. He is dead certain that that ball went off of Isaiah Thomas. The referees didn't think so. They they just redo the inbound, basically. And um, Kyle Korver gets the inbound, so the Heat don't steal the inbound like they thought they had on the previous inbound play. Kyle Korver gets it. They foul him. He goes to the line. 
He makes the first free throw, misses the second free throw. James Johnson grabs the rebound, brings it down the floor, and kind of just messes around with it for too long. Puts a shot up after the after the time expires. So Miami never got a shot to win the game, right? Mm. And a lot of people are upset with him. For example, Taylor asks, he tweets in using the hashtag Ask Elo Heat, what do you what do you say of the horrible officiating? Maybe <laughs> talking about that that inbound play, right? Where Tyler Johnson did the call. Also, when is Spo gonna close with Justice Winslow instead of James Johnson? So let's start there. Let's start with the officiating, David. Did you think the officiating had a lot to do with that game, the Heat losing that game? I do not. Um, you know, I, I appreciate Taylor. He's one of our most loyal listeners, and he's always very active on Twitter. We have trade talk and anything else related to the Heat, but at the same time, I, I've just had the mindset that you can't blame officiating for things like this. Like, like what is Tyler Johnson going to say? No, no, I touched it out. This isn't like that Mormon commercial on TV where the guy says, Coach, <laughs> Coach I'm the one that knocked it out of bounds. You know, this is it's not going to happen. He's arguing for it. He's trying to win the game. Um, the, the, the replay was inconclusive. I mean, they broke it down in slow motion. Everybody looked at it, and it wasn't enough to, to overturn the call as far as I'm concerned. They did what they thought they had to. You move on. This doesn't over. This doesn't you know mistake or or, or or supplant the fact that that James Johnson played so poorly in that last possession. Um, and you know, and again, I'm not. I don't even feel like we should be that critical of James Johnson. Um, but but that was the overall I think reason why they lost that game was that one 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 shot at the end there or the one shot they didn't get off. As far as the officiating is concerned. What is it that Matt Moore always says that he treats officiating like it's an act of nature? Like you can't control it. Um, there are so many calls during the course of the game. Some of them are going to go Miami's way. Some of them are going to go in the opponent's way. And you can't really control it. Right. Don't even worry about it, to be honest with you. Unless it's something so blatant and overt. And I don't think this was the case. I just – it's it's such a – you're right. Like over the course of a game, so many calls go can go either way. It's just so hard to blame officiating for anything. I mean, there are times, right? There are times where it's blatant. I mean, you think about those Lakers-Kings series of the Western Conference Finals where it may have been rigged. Like you think about that like a long time ago, but um, you know, Mavericks fans might argue that 2006 was a little rigged nah. for Dwayne Wade. Nah. I disagree. I just think Dwayne Wade was the all-time greatest player of all time in drawing fouls. That's what I think. Yep. So, um, <laughs> to go back to this game at hand, though, uh, when is Spo going to close with Winslow instead of JJ? The interesting thing about that was that James Johnson was not in the game on Miami's second-to-last offensive possession. Right when they scored to bring it uh, into a, a three-point game, he wasn't in. Was it Bam? Was um, it? Or a two-point game? It was. It was. Um, it was all shooters. It was Tyler. Oh, it was, Ellington, Olenek, it was Josh. It was Olenek. Yeah, and so Olenek scored that last that on Miami's second last possession. James Johnson was in the game, but he was in the game on that defensive possession for obvious reasons. James Johnson, by the way, we've talked about this. James Johnson has struggled for a while defensively. He was great. In that game, he was. He was. He he was. He got the LeBron card. He had to. He he got picked. He he picked that straw, and that and he did an incredible job guarding LeBron. But offensively, obviously, he struggled. That's why Spo didn't have him in that second to last off, offensive possession. He was. He brought James Johnson back in for defense. Um, Miami fouled Kyle Korver. Kyle Korver surprisingly. Misses that last free throw. Kyle Korver does not miss free throws. That's not a thing Kyle Korver does. He did miss that last free throw. James Johnson gets the rebound, and and Miami doesn't call a timeout. So he's in there on that last offensive possession. Had had Korver hit that last free throw, like they probably expected him to. James Johnson probably isn't in that game. 
You know, they probably throw more. They probably put Ellington back in. They probably throw a bunch uh, more shooters back into that and try to and try to win the game with a three pointer or, or tie the game with a three pointer. But so so it's a little interesting. Maybe Spolster should have anticipated that. Maybe you want James Johnson in there for rebounding purposes because you're not even gonna have a chance period if James Johnson's not in or uh, if you don't get the rebound. So it's there's a lot of factors that go get involved here. But it's not like Spolster came in with an out of timeout play. With James Johnson, with a, with a play called for James Johnson, it was just sort of like a okay, get the rebound, dart down the floor, and try to get a shot off. Unfortunately, James Johnson just wasn't aware enough to get that shot off, um, and he probably could have made it. He got really close to the rim. There would have been a chance if he would have gotten that ball off. It's just unfortunate, man. Like James Johnson lately, it just seems like these turnovers and these mistakes are at the worst moments. Mm-hmm. Which, when he's playing well, he still has them, but they're just. They're 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 just not as significant, you know. In the fourth quarter, not only did he just not get that shot off, uh, he missed a, a point blank layup at the rim. He uh, overthrew a pass to a, uh, one of his teammates, cutting to the rim, just completely overthrew yeah. him, which we've seen happen quite a bit lately. So yeah, that was a bad turnover in the last few minutes. Unfortunately for James Johnson, these mistakes that he has are just happening at the worst times, you know. The recent piece, uh, I think it was, uh, I want to say Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald, but I'm not certain, where he kind of talked to James Johnson and, and, over, and looked over his season and everything else. And, and the fact that I think a lot of his teammates have I've talked to James and said, you know what, just stay in it. We need you to be in it. Um, and he, he mentioned that the contract has not put any pressure on him. I'm calling BS on this because, to be honest with you, I think he's playing with a pressure this year that we didn't see last year. You know, mm. uh, I, I think there is some concern on his part. It just creeps in there whether or not he's trying, of, of whether or not he's living up to the value of that contract, whether or not he's doing enough to carry the team. And maybe it's born of like the best of intentions that he really wants to help this team. He, he really believes that as one of the three captains on this team, that he needs to show a certain level of performance in order to, to, to earn that captaincy. And so I think there is pressure there. I think it's creeping up and in the way that he tries to do too much, he forces the issue. And, and we saw in that last play, like there was, he, he took like three spin moves too too many, you know, he could have probably taken yeah. that first spin <laughs> move and then just kind of risen up. Like you, you go for the block, you know, if LeBron gets the block, I think it was LeBron guarding him in that last possession, right? If LeBron gets the block, he gets the block, but Johnson is is long enough to, to get that shot over LeBron. You just have to be able to create that space. You know what? Take a page out of the Goran Dragic playbook. You throw a little iron shoulder in there with the bang-bang nature of a last-second play. No one's going to call that. You give LeBron a little nudge, create a little space, and put that shot over him. I mean, instead he – He seemed hesitant. Over. He just he, – yeah. He was hesitant, and that's – maybe just overthinking it or something. I don't know what it is. You're right. You should just put the shot up, man. Just put it yeah. up. It's better than not getting a shot up at all. More, Moreover, I think when it comes to this game, um, the biggest concern on my end, Wayne Ellington going 0 for 4 uh, on the season, yeah. 0 for 8 against Cleveland. He has not converted a field goal. You know, two nights ago or however many it was when we talked about our last recap, we talked about the intrinsic role that Wayne Ellington plays on this team. And – he was he was completely minimized. He was like negated completely, which is very very. The Cavs the Cavs trapped him on every situation. They just didn't make it easy for him. He never got into rhythm. And Ellington makes a lot of contested three pointers, but just couldn't. The Cavs or or the season or the Heat now on the season zero for seven, like you said, when Wayne Ellington doesn't hit a three pointer, the Cavs just keyed in on him, which is crazy, right? Like that's something you do to. It, it is insane to think of that the the Heat right now are in fourth place in the Eastern Conference. 
with Wayne Ellington as their best offensive player. Like that is an insane thing that is happening. It's Wayne Ellington. We love Wayne Ellington, but he is a journeyman player, right? Yeah. That is an insane proposition. Uh, and that kind of leads into Billy's question here. He writes in, I think the Heat really blew this one. It seems like this group just can't get into the third seed. They've been right there for two weeks with no progress. This game was a microcosm of that. That is exactly right. Miami just hasn't, whatever whatever it is, a mental hurdle, uh, just a, a bad timing, what, whatever it is, they just have not been able to, they've been a half game within the Cavaliers over and over and over again. They just haven't been able to get into that third seed. And overall, I think that it's a, it's a mostly arbitrary thing that I think Heat fans are obsessing over is getting that third seed over Cleveland. It's almost a symbolic thing. Like, oh, we would be above the the rankings over LeBron James who ditched us in 2014. Right. Like, I get that. But there's also a lot of value into having a higher seed than Cleveland. You know, if you were ever to meet in the playoffs, at least you would have home court. Like, there's a lot of value into having that third seed. And justifiably so. And it is it, this game was a microcosm of that. Look, it was an ugly game. Neither team really deserved to win it, quite frankly. Like, both teams just played pat played poorly but if th- this game the heat were so close man like they were just so close and then at the end they just sort of blew it it really felt like they blew it at the end of that game um so that again just sort of symbolically sort of kind of showing how the heat have just been have, haven't been able to close out this this third seed and look they'll still have a chance obviously but man that one was tough that one was tough do you take any positives out of the fact that Miami really did control the tempo as much as they did? Like for a team that look, obviously Cleveland has defensive issues, uh, although those weren't apparent last night. I don't know if last night's game was indicative that Cleveland can play good defense when they need to, or Miami just really stinks offensively. I, I, on more than one. Occasion. Not having Kevin Love, I think, helps them. They were able to switch everything. I they were just they were small, and that in Miami they. They play like a small team, even though they play with two bigs a lot. They run a lot of those guys along the perimeter and stuff. And I think that my not having Kevin Love, Cleveland wins this game with Kevin Love still, but it's probably a higher scoring affair. But defensively, I think Cleveland just they were able to switch everything. They were able to trap Ellington and, and Miami's ball handlers, Dragic in particular, on every every single time they brought the ball up. Almost it seemed like. Um, as far as silver linings go, I thought Justice Winslow and Bam Adebayo played well. Um, if we're looking, if we're looking for positive takeaways, Justice Winslow right now uh, is really. There was a few possessions there, specifically against LeBron and Isaiah Thomas yeah. and stuff like where he got switched. Uh, Dwayne Wade on at one point he stayed down on a, a couple of Dwayne Wade pump fakes. Um, he looks like he's getting back into that a legitimately elite one on one perimeter defender, and that would that would be huge because he he's been good defensively, but he has not been as good as we've seen him be. I think he's starting to get back into that sort of that mode. Um, next, we're going to be talking about Miami possibly adding a backup point guard. But first, quick reminder, make sure you are subscribed to Locked on Heat on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. Wherever you get your podcasts, we're probably there. Also, make sure to leave us a review on iTunes. It helps other Heat fans discover the show. Also, be sure to check out the rest of what the Locked on Podcast Network has to offer, including shows for every NBA and NFL team, the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. 
part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so we'll get to this Rashul Butler news first, but we did get an interesting um, tweet about some roster moves that I wanted to address here because the Chicago Bulls just traded Nikola Mirotic to the New Orleans Pelicans. In return, the Bulls are getting an assortment of players. They're getting Jameer Nelson from the Pelicans, and they are expected to buy out Jameer Nelson, way of Jameer Nelson. And so Nelson will be a free agent, it seems, uh, according to Adrian Wojnarowski. He's the one reporting that. Um, so our question is, when the Bulls wave Jameer Nelson, he's ours, right? What about Joe John- What about a Joe Johnson reunion? Could the injury exception facilitate either of these? So it's an interesting question. So let's let's address the, J- the Jameer Nelson thing first. Um, look, the Heat could wave A.J. Hammonds, maybe wave O'Kara White, somebody like that. Do you think that that's a, a realistic thing? I know that you're a little – you don't believe that um, the Heat are a free agent – Destination. We've had this conversation before, but do you think Jameer Nelson might be attracted to Miami? This this tw- question, by the way, comes from uh, Jake Al- uh, Jake Albright on Twitter. So thanks for um, saying that. No, I don't actually. I don't. I don't see that uh, as a likely destination for him. Um, I'm wondering whether or not Philadelphia might be a better destination for him, considering he's he played at Temple and and maybe there's a connection to that city there that we're not aware of. Um, I just don't see – I don't even see that Miami is a place that needs Jameer Nelson. Like, like I think we're just so used to Miami always being in the hunt for these big-name veterans as they get waved towards the end of the season. But, you know, I don't know that Jameer Nelson is a, a need for this team. Do you want Jameer Nelson on Miami? So I've been I've been against Miami just there there's been this belief and I know a friend of the program Ira Winderman has been out there saying that the my this the Heat need a backup point guard I've disagreed with that logic completely I just I prefer having somebody like Josh or Tyler or or um, Justice Winslow bringing the ball up James Johnson just playing that backup point guard role it, it, just because they offer you so much more versatility on both ends of the court than a, just some below average backup point guard would who just mm-hmm. ends up a lot of times being a liability on defense. And I just – I don't think the Heat can afford a liability on defense right now. I just don't think that they're good enough defensively to have another liability on the floor. Um, but and, and if, if you want a veteran who you can kind of play in spot situations, there have been moments mostly due to injury where Derek Walton Jr. has to come in. Um, he's on a two-way contract, so you only get – that's going to be a limited resource for you if you're the Heat. And AJ Hammonds is just taking up a roster spot right now, so maybe if there's an option, I just I don't that you could that you can waive AJ Hammonds, maybe stretch his contract out or trade him and get rid of him. I don't, even though I don't see any team taking AJ Hammonds off Miami Miami's hands for no reason. Uh, Miami, of course, can't attach assets to him, but if there's if they can clear a roster spot and you can add, let's say Jameer Nelson, because that's what the question is. There's value to that just to have him on your bench. In, in those spot cases where you do need a backup point guard, right? There are moments where Miami does need more ball handlers, good ball handlers, experienced ball handlers on the floor, especially because the scouting report right now is to trap Miami's ball handlers once they get off of out of half court and they start, you know, doing those dribble handoffs and stuff like that. Um, I just don't want a backup point guard in there to take minutes away from somebody that's more versatile. You know, it, I, I just think that there is this, there's this thought that he can add a backup point guard and you just give him 15 minutes a game and you're good to go. Well, that's going to take away from Tyler Johnson, who's a good shooter and a good defensive player. That's going to take away from Wayne Ellington, who's been Miami's best offensive player. This or Justin Winslow running the backup point position. Right, which has been a huge developmental movement for him. I, it's just not that easy. 
That said, if you just are wasting roster spots on guys like Hammonds and guys like O'Kara White who just haven't played this season, then O'Kara White, of course, hasn't hasn't played because he's been injured. But if they're just kind of, if you're just wasting roster spots, then why not? But with Jameer Nelson, he's going to expect to play. So I don't think Jam- I'm I'm with you. I think Jameer Nelson, Philadelphia makes sense. There's there's several teams. Utah might make sense. There's a lot of teams that make sense for Jameer Nelson. I don't think Miami's one of them. Uh, unless they can convince him to just live in Miami and make a, a, a little extra money on the side because, you know, if they waive him, they're still going to make whatever portion of his contract was guaranteed. Um, unless he just wants to, like, chill out in South Beach, that might be an option for him. But that's really the only reason I would see Jameer Nelson coming here because I just I don't think the Heat are going to guarantee him minutes, and he's probably looking for that. Um, what do you – the Joe Johnson news is interesting because he's apparently secretly asking to be traded – and it's funny that a lot of people are wording it secretly because everybody knows, so it's not a secret. But um, if he's asking to be traded, that's it might not be this. This could be a really good option for the Heat. And the reason I say that is not because Joe Johnson's necessarily a great player anymore. Um, he's struggled actually in Utah this season quite a bit, but and, and he's been hurt on and off as well. But look, the Heat math is coming down right for Miami. We've talked about this so many times where they are going to pay the luxury tax unless they make at least they have to make at least one move to avoid making the paying the luxury tax next season. We've talked about James Johnson. Utah wants a power forward. Kevin Love's not on the table anymore. He's injured. Blake Griffin, apparently that they they may have been a little interested, according to a few reports in Blake Griffin. He's obviously gotten moved to Detroit. Uh, Nikola Mirotic, who they were reportedly interested in. He just got moved to New Orleans. There's not a lot of power forwards out there. Utah wants a power forward. They seem to be in the market for a power forward, if you believe these reports. Um, James Johnson for Joe Johnson? If you think about it from Utah's standpoint, they get up a stretch four who can handle the ball a little bit, would pair nicely with Rudy Gobert, as we've seen James Johnson, for the most part, pair nicely with Hassan Whiteside. His struggles notwithstanding. Joe Johnson offering a little bit more offensive scoring for Miami, which they sorely need. Somebody who can kind of create their own shot. Theoretically, we'll see if Joe Johnson can still sort He's got, you know, he's on and off and at his age. He's inconsistent, but there are games where he can be Joe Johnson again. I and and he's on an expiring contract. You can just let him walk after this season. The Heat have a bunch of front court players. They don't necessarily need James Johnson as much as I still am a supporter of James Johnson. That might be a viable move for Miami for you know James Johnson for Joe Johnson and maybe a future draft pick. Uh no. <laughs> I just You're, don't see. It. I don't really. See. Yeah, I really don't. I, I, you know what? I, I think, I think it's such a, a a short-sighted view considering everything that Johnson does for this team and the versatility provides, the defense, everything else. I think, I think you make that decision to sign him for four years, thinking he's an important part of this team, and you don't just trade him away like that. I, to be honest with you, I think he's still important enough for this team's run this season. And, and look, the front office may have a different view. They may think, you know what, it doesn't really matter what we accomplish this season. Um, we'll probably get just as far as we're going to get with James Johnson over uh, – with uh, Joe Johnson over James Johnson. So maybe it's worth it for them to shed that salary. I don't see them falling into that line of thinking. Like I personally think that they view this roster as being competent enough to play despite the loss against Cleveland and the loss against Sacramento last week. I mean – I think they still see this team as being good enough to to make some noise in the Eastern Conference uh, if they, if everything breaks right. Um, and I don't know that Joe Johnson fits into that. Like, I, I mean, even if for for even if his deal comes off the books this summer, 
uh, and that clears some cap space for Miami. I don't know that they necessarily want to get rid of a guy uh-huh. like James Johnson. Like, like seriously, like you, you talk to James Johnson, you talk, you make him the team's captain. Yeah, yeah. I look, I, I, Blake Griffin got traded from the Clippers to Detroit. Like, like I know that any anybody can get moved at any point in time. They were, you know, they were talking about him being a, a lifetime Clipper in order to re-sign him. That was a big part of it, and, and then they wound up trading him four months later. It's a business, and I understand that. But at the same time, like I feel like Miami, so much of what Miami does is about loyalty and and trying to keep the team together and maximizing and heat culture, et cetera. That if you trade away a guy like James Johnson, that might kind of like be a huge fly in that ointment. You know what I'm saying? No, I, I understand the concern there, I guess. But from I, I just they're yeah. gonna have to make a move though, right? Like they have to and. I, I I think, you know, Pat Riley, when he re-signed this team, thought that he could package a bunch of these guys together and make a move in a package so that you're, you know, instead of just getting plucking one guy out and disrupting the culture, so to speak, that way, you're kind of right. just starting a new wave of culture almost if you just package a bunch of these guys and ship them off for one all-star. But I don't know, man. I just – I idealistically, that, that all makes sense to me. But if they're – it just you look at the Excel spreadsheet on this thing, and they have to they have to make a move, and I think Joe Johnson fits in really well with what Miami needs. Like they need floor spacing. You can't just rely on Wayne Ellington to be your only shooter. Joe Johnson can still shoot the ball, and he's still respected across the league. Like you can't players defenses don't play off of Joe Johnson. I don't care how old he is; they're just not. But did um, we see him kind of falter in that? Playoffs? He's not a good player anymore. He's yeah, not yeah. a good player anymore. But he, he, he wasn't even I, good in Miami. I mean, look, he was great in the second half of the season. Well, like, well, the second part of the season, whenever he was after he got he signed with Miami, he was really, really good in some moments. In the playoffs, he was not. And uh, I don't know that I don't know that he's capable of. of I, wonder, I wonder. That's that's fair. I do wonder if there is also a, um, an opportunity cost there, where if you move James Johnson, that allows for Justice Winslow to sort of take a bigger role which we've said he's needed to take for such a long time uh, in order to fully develop and, and kind of be realized as the player that he could be. If you if you ship James Johnson away, maybe Miami's impressed with how much Winslow has been handling the ball and his ability to do so. Maybe that makes it a little bit easier to do that. I don't know. I just I think it's interesting, and I, I would explore it if I'm Miami because this would be a really, really easy way to shed some salary, which they just frankly have to do. Hmm. Uh, for a player that they have experience with and they know. So there'd be a little bit maybe less – like a player that a lot of these guys have played with already, like Dragic, Whiteside, Winslow, Richard. They've all played with Joe Johnson. You know, I I wonder if it would be – I want, and they wanted Joe Johnson back, right? But they just didn't expect Utah to make that sort of offer for him. So I, I, I don't know. Uh, the second part of Jake's question here is, could the injury exception facilitate either of these? Yes. Miami did get rewarded – the $5.5 million injury exception for Deion Waiters, who will be out for the rest of the season with his surgery. Uh, if Joe Johnson gets bought out, of course, that would help them do that. Um, it seems like the the Utah Jazz will try to trade him first. And then if Jameer Nelson gets waived, which he's expected to, to be waived, and he might be waived by the time you guys hear this podcast, but um, uh, they could use the injury exception on that. I doubt that Jameer Nelson would need five and a, I don't think it's going to take five and a half million dollars to sign Jameer Nelson, but they could use a portion of that to get him or whoever else gets bought out within the next few days. So it's important that the heat got that, that exception now because it's going to come into play as an option in the next two, uh, in the next couple of weeks. Um, I just want to bring up a point there. Cause I happened to be covering the, the Lakers last night and, uh, and 
former Miami Heat player Lou Alding is with the Los Angeles Lakers. I, I don't know if you were aware of this. I certainly wasn't. He's healthy, and they're just simply not playing. Yeah. Like, they, they've, totally. they've told him, they don't – look, we're paying you a, a, a hell of a lot of money, but we don't want to play you at all. What's the rationale that they can't waive him? They can't stretch his contract? They don't want to? Uh, they, they'd rather just keep him on the books and hope that, what, he requests a trade or accepts a buyout or something like that? I think there's I think it's a uh, I think there's two things there. They don't want him to play because they don't want to show him because he's old and not very good anymore, probably, mm-hmm. uh, which makes and he'll and he'll stay healthy if he's not playing. So maybe he's more viable as a trade option. Um, okay. I, I, I don't agree. I think maybe that's what they're thinking. Um, and then the second thing is that they have to like they just don't have a lot of minutes like he's a stretch four at this point and they've got to give those minutes to Kuzma and Randall and all the and. And Larry Nance Jr. Like they have good young players at the position. It makes sense that they're and they're not gonna they're not a good team now. It makes sense that you're not playing them there. I actually I don't have a problem with it. The problem was that they signed him in the first place. Um, I think they're gonna stretch him this summer if 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 they are in the position that they want to be in, and that'll be what happens. What if you made a trade with with them and, and shipped James Johnson to L.A. and then took back no. Randall and Lowell Day? Ugh. That dang contract was so bad, dude. It That's is. like it is. I, I I just I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. Okay, fair enough. Not even like because even if you get Randall back, I mean, where do you even play Randall at this point? <laughs> yeah, I love I love Julius Randall. You know, I'm a big I, I, Julius Randall is Draymond Green 2.0 mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. But um, yeah, I don't think I don't that dang contract's just not movable. It's just there's no way. No, oh, yeah. Um, so unfortunately we got to talk about this, but this, this Rashul Butler thing is sad. Um, Rashul Butler passing away him and his wife in a single car crash, um, recently. And it's Rashul Butler, of course, spending some time with the Miami heat during his NBA career. Just something that we have to address. Just, it's just a, this just seems like a sad circumstance. There's still some, a lot of questions to be answered here, but, um, it just sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, early Wednesday morning, he and his wife, uh, who I did not know was an R&B singer. Uh, her mm. name was Leah LaBelle. And apparently she'd sang with a, n- a number of great music acts like Pharrell, et cetera. Um, and they were driving back from somewhere and their car struck some parking meters, rolled into a parking lot. And unfortunately, both of them uh, were dead on the scene. And um, yeah, Rasul, for a lot of our younger listeners, maybe you don't remember him. Uh, he, he was drafted in the second round in 2002 part of that really uh bleak time period when alonzo morning wasn't really playing at a high level and they weren't really getting a lot um out of the guys that they had left in the roster like eddie jones was still there and brian grant really didn't fit in at center uh because he was supposed to be playing power forward alongside um alonzo morning and then they drafted rasul and he was kind of he was a second round pick that year. I think they had drafted, I want to say, oh, Karan Butler was drafted in the first round that year. So yep. he was, it was the two Butlers drafted in the same, same year. Um, but he was there during that great 2003 04 season when Dwayne Wade was picked and they, and, and they signed Lamar Odom in free agency. And he was just a really, really good player. Like he was always the kind of guy that in today's game, he would probably have been a, a lot more valued. He kind of reminded me a lot of like uh, James Jones. You know what I'm saying? Like he had that kind mm-hmm. of length and ranginess. And and he had more athleticism, I think, than James did. But at the same time, he was just a really, really, really good shooter. Played 13 seasons with a number of teams. He played with the, the Hornets. Um, he played with the Clippers. He played with the Bulls briefly, the Pacers, the Wizards. And Toronto uh, spent a season yeah, there. Yeah. Toronto. 
and uh, San Antonio as well. So, I mean, he he made the rounds uh, from everything I heard. Even, uh, uh, you know, yesterday the Lakers uh, addressed it in pregame and, and Luke Walton talked about him. And um, they never got a chance to play together, but he knew Rasul and um, as a lot of people around the league did. And, and basically the, the thing was that he was just a really, really good person aside from a decent player. Like aside from his his level or a play, he was just a, a guy who was always smiling, always upbeat, always there, willing to, to communicate, a really good teammate. And uh, you know, he'll be fondly remembered from what I can tell. Yeah. And one of those guys who never took more than really five threes, looking at his basketball reference page right now, like he never took more than five three-pointers in a season, like averaged more than five three-pointers. In today's game, he could have been one of those guys taking six, seven, eight three-pointers a game. I mean, he was a valuable three-point shooter for Miami um, in his first three seasons. Uh, and you're right. He probably a little bit behind his time would have been a very valuable as a, as a three point shooter in today's game. It's just, unfor- it just sucks, you know, when these, when these sort of things happen. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's all we have for today. We will be back tomorrow. Thank you to mybookie.ag, your hookup for all of your Super Bowl betting needs. Go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code locked on NBA to get a bonus 50% bonus on top of your first deposit. You can send mailbag questions and ask about advertising by sending an email to LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. Tweet your questions and comments for our recaps using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Music is courtesy of Molly Wild. Catch you next time. Thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.